Hi, I'm Garrett Hill, and you're listening to Life Students Podcast. Here we develop young leaders and guide them to their purpose. Life Students Podcast was formed out of a need for connection in a world saturated with negative content. It is our goal to create a safe place for young people to both have fun and hear the voice of God. Whether you are a member of Life Students or you just found this podcast, we hope that this encourages and empowers you to move forward with your walk with God. Alright, welcome to episode 14 of Life Students Podcast. Today's a special episode. Uh, today we have Cindy Fish with us. How are you doing, Cindy? I'm doing good. Awesome. Uh, glad to have you with us. Um, so why don't you tell us a little bit about your podcast that you just started? If you haven't listened to it, by the way, you need to go listen to episode one. Um. Well, I have... When When does this episode air? When does this air? Um, every other Monday. So it's going to be posted Next. Monday. Okay. So when you listen to this, I'll have only done two episodes. So I'm not a pro, but um, I just had this desire to start a podcast and I prayed about it and felt, you know, just that I needed to start it. And so I did. It's called At His Feet. And basically, I'll this first series I'm doing, I just dig into Bible characters and how they found themselves at the feet of Jesus, what they experienced there, that type of thing. But basically, it's just personal stories and things that I've experienced with God and things that have really jumped out at me in the Word. That's awesome. Uh, I was listening to uh, your first episode, and I, I was thinking— <laughs> I, I laughed a little bit whenever you were talking about Ezra being on the pew and you're under the pew and he like <laughs> kicks you in the head. <laughs> it's real life. I'm sharing real stuff that, on that, that thing. That is real life. He will kick you in the head. <laughs> yes. He stomped. It hurts. So it, I, and that's all I can, you know, it's the main thing I remember about the experience is that he like, jumped off the pew and stomped my hair. Didn't it hurts you say so you had bad. like rubber, like rubber soles and it like pulled your hair a little bit too? Yeah. They were, they were rubber and it was like a, a somehow a sticky rubber. I don't know how to explain it, but they had like <laughs> little spikes gum. on them almost it was so oh my bad gosh. it was so bad well, you got to buy him softer shoes i did after that <laughs> i've never <laughs> bought him all of his hard sole shoes i've <laughs> never bought him under armor shoes again it's all soft shoes from now on <laughs> <laughs> so but anyway guys uh today we are interviewing cindy uh because as you know she is uh taylor fish's wife and he evangelizes so we are not interviewing uh, the evangelist, but the evangelist wife. Uh, we're going to kind of dive into her past, um, how she got to where she is, and what she's doing now to help uh, Taylor's ministry uh, take off and everything. Because it's not just when you're when you're married to somebody like that. It's not just his ministry. It's both of your both of your ministries. So we're going to find out more in detail about that, and we'll start off with this first question. So when did you come into the church and what brought you there? Okay. Um, my first time that I remember, so through the years I had been maybe a Sunday or a random Tuesday night to this church that I started going to, but it was at such an age, maybe fourth grade, that I didn't remember you know, anything that was going on. But when I was 17 years old, it was... 
the beginning of my senior year of high school, I started really sporadically attending services at the Apostolic Church in Beaumont. And um, how I got there was that I moved in with my dad and my stepmom for my senior year of high school. And my dad, he was in church. So he started going to church in 1999. And it's actually important. I'm going to tell how he got in the church really quick because it's what led me. And I'm so thankful for his testimony because it changed my life. In 1999, yeah, 1999, he got in church. The the year the world ended. Almost, yes. Almost. Y2K. Y2K, yeah, that's it. (laughs) So he worked, okay, most most of you listening, you know the Apostolic Church in Beaumont, and right next door to it is Kinzel, the big car dealership. So my dad worked at the car dealership. He was a salesman, and there was an evangelist doing revival at the Apostolic Church, Brother Jason Sisko. And they they were in like almost, you know, multiple nights in a row of revival for months. And he came and test drove a car, and my dad was a salesman. And somehow he found out, you know, my dad was so hungry for God, and he gave him a preaching tape. You know, one thing led to another. My dad ended up later visiting the Apostolic Church. His plans canceled one night. It was Bible study. He walked outside, saw the sign, and their little uh, letter sign, you know, outside, it said they had revival that night. So my dad went in. And long story short, he ended up living for God, and he's been there ever since. So he just went in, like, on a whim, just saw it. Well, because um, the evangelist had test drove a car. And I don't know oh, if I don't know right. if yeah, Brother yeah, yeah. Cisco was the pastor yet there. He ended up being the pastor, but he test drove a car. And I guess, you know— He probably invited him. Was yeah, like, so hey, he, man, I'm preaching at this church. Yes, yeah, so, so he ended up—my dad asked for a preaching tape, and then my dad asked for more preaching tapes— mm-hmm. Because my dad was so hungry. And he was not in truth, but when you're hungry, God leads you to truth. Right. right. So my dad was led there and then ended up ended up staying. Right. Since yeah. 1999. So I think the coolest part of my story is that my dad prayed for 11 years. My dad lived for God 11 years before he saw anyone in his family, anyone that he prayed for, come in mm-hmm. and, and accept truth. So I think that's kind of neat, you know, but, but that's how I got in. My dad was in it and I lived with him my senior year of high school and I started going to that church and I was really resistant at first, Yeah, but I still went and he made, he made me go, you know, (laughs) so, but it worked. He's like, Cindy, you're coming. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) You're coming. Yeah. I was a wreck. I needed it. He knew I needed it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so. So when did you get the Holy Ghost? You said you, you said you went to church for a couple times. You were resistant, but when did you yield? I guess to the Holy Ghost. So I started going at the beginning of the school year, and it was not. I didn't. I wasn't every single Sunday, but majority. So nine months, a whole school year, and I just thought these people were nuts. You know, I remember the evangelists getting up and walking on the pews. And I remember telling my friends, these people are crazy. The preacher was standing on the pews. And now I'm married to the crazy evangelist that stands on the pews. So that's kind of funny. (laughs) He is. He's crazy. So um, this summer after high school, so I went for a whole school year. The summer after high school, I was 18 years old. And there was this boy that um, 
I had somehow connected with. We had a mutual friend, yeah. and he was supposed to be apostolic. He had no business talking to me. He had no business texting me, none of that. I was nowhere near God, but he was going to be at youth camp. And my dad, I knew my dad would kind of, I had just gotten a bunch of trouble and like a bunch back to back. Yes. And my dad, <laughs> I knew that he would maybe kind of back off a little bit if I was like, oh, I'm going to go to church camp, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. So I bought a whole <laughs> new wardrobe and I went to church camp <laughs> and um, I really didn't want to go, but I thought, okay, well, I'll just, I'll hang out and have fun, whatever. Yeah. And I remember pulling up to the campgrounds and I was in the church van the youth pastor there was Brother David Moore at the time. And I we pull up and I see all these kids and I'm like, there's no place for me here. I do not fit. But I, I remember thinking and saying to God, because I didn't pray out loud, but I just said in my mind, God, if there's something here, then I want it. And if not, I'll just do my own thing. And I left it at that. That was so simple to me. You know? right, yeah. if, so, if there's something here, something happens, okay. But if not, I have my own plans. You know, I had college plans and I knew what I wanted to go to school for. And I was supposed to cheer in college. I'd already uh, tried out for the team at Sam Houston and made it. And so I knew the next many years of my life I had a plan. Right. But there was something there for me, and God did fill me with the Holy Ghost. Oh, man, and that's so, awesome. Yeah, and so, so you, during the daytime service. So you were one of the you were one of the ones that got it at, at the yes. campgrounds. That's yeah. cool. Brother Tuttle was preaching the day services, and he was—I don't know what he preached, but he said— uh, Was that when Brother Tuttle was preaching— and Bishop was preaching? Yes. Ooh, I yeah. love that camp. That you was were a there? good camp. Yes. So cool. That's where I got the Holy oh Ghost. Oh, my gosh. That's what has just, I think, made me just have a love for youth ministry. And right. I've tried to work the camps every year I could just because I know it's life-changing. Oh, yeah. It's, you know, it's rewarding to be right. there, to help help kids like like you were right. with like, the Holy Ghost. Yeah, you know? and even if someone's there for not the right reasons and maybe they— look like they don't have it all together because right. I had my belly button ring in <laughs> while I was there. So a girl saw it in the bathroom and commented on it. I remember, and I was so embarrassed and I went and ran in the bathroom and took it out and threw it in the trash can. And cause I didn't know that I didn't know that I didn't know anything, you know, right. but anyway, so, um, but yeah, brother Tuttle was preaching and he, he's preaching something and he tells all the committee and all the preachers to go get all the kids off the back rows. And I'm like on the back row and I'm thinking, there's no way this guy's embarrassing me. So I got up and I walked to the front as fast as I could. To get away and, from that crowd. Yes, <laughs> yes, because I did not want to be embarrassed. And so I already was out of place. I didn't want to like stick out even more. And so I I walked up to the front, lifted my hands, and uh, Brother Jeff Jones, I didn't realize it was him for years. I knew his face, but I didn't know who he was. Right. And uh, a couple years ago at camp, I saw him and I said, Taylor, that's the guy that prayed me through to the Holy Ghost. Oh, man. And he came. I had prayed seeking the Holy Ghost multiple times, but he came and I lifted up my hands and he helped me and he prayed so simply and it was so quick. It wasn't like wait and tarry forever it was like almost yeah. immediately god filled me with Man. the holy ghost yeah yeah sometimes people just try to overcomplicate stuff like that mm -hmm. and it like confuses the person and they're like yeah i'm done 
put their yeah, hands down. Yeah, he was, he was like the you know? ultimate altar worker. It was so Dang. cool. That but, cool. um, you know, that boy that I went to camp for, it's kind of funny, but, uh, at the lunch, so, you know, there's day service and you go to lunch right after. Right. At that lunch, he decided we were done. <laughs> <laughs> the, the lunch after you got the Holy yes, Ghost. Yes, I got the Holy He's Ghost. Like, no, you're serious about God. I don't want you. <laughs> so it was kind of, it was really a blessing to me. And I'm so thankful that it worked out the way that it did. That got me there, but it didn't keep me from anything else. Man. So, so as a teenager, you, you got the Holy Ghost. It, 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 right. You're still a teenager. 18, still technically. Yeah. So as a teenager, um, coming into the church, getting the Holy Ghost, what helped you make your decision to live for God and not the world? You know, it wasn't, for me, it wasn't a drawn out process. So sometimes it's hard for me to understand when it takes someone a while to decide. Right. But that's because of where where I've come from. I think God really fast forwarded a lot of things for me though. In the first few years of me living for God, and I think it's because of what we do now. Right. You know, I didn't have years and years and years, and I, I needed to kind of accelerate my walk with God, I guess. Like, I had to right. get serious quick, yeah. and I had so much baggage and not really a lot of time before I would marry Taylor and, and really carry a big burden as far as ministry. So I think maybe that's kind of some of why God just kind of pushed me a little more. But this service— Right before I got the Holy Ghost is what decided it for me. Like, so before I had the Holy Ghost, I knew. Um, Bishop was preaching, actually, and I had no clue who he was because <laughs> I went to the Beaumont Church. And I, it's right. not like I was—I yeah. hadn't gone to all kind of rallies or anything. I, don't, I couldn't tell you a single message he preached that week. But he told his testimony, and he was so open. And I had never heard someone be so open about their story. And— um. When I got in the church, I had always believed this lie that I was I was too much, you know, like yeah. too abused, too messy, just too much. Right. And um, I started, he told his testimony. And as soon as he started talking about abuse and things like growing up, something honestly just broke in me. I started talking to God out loud and I confessed things to God that I had never even spoken about before, never even spoken and when I started praying like that, the weight that lifted off of me, it was so heavy. I didn't even realize that that's what I was carrying. But the weight, as just just opening my mouth and telling God, the weight that lifted off was so heavy that I fell flat on my face. And I was just sobbing at like the relief and honestly just opening up to God. And um, Yeah, that's whenever you, you take that... Uh cast your cares scripture literally and you cast your cares and he takes those cares yeah and relieves that burden and relieves that pressure that's on you you don't even know it's there because you've gotten so used to it right and it's and it adds little by little Mm -hmm. you don't realize how big it is but um that's really knowing that that god had a place for me that he had the power to change me and that you know I had already tried everything else I could get my hands on to relieve that right. that weight. Yeah. Drugs, alcohol, relationships, all of them were so temporary. And they may have helped me forget in a moment, but they also added more, you know, day by day. It was right. more and more mm-hmm. and more, more weight to what I was trying to forget. 
So when God lifted all of it in a moment, there was no question after that. You know, it was, right. that was it. Yeah. And then when I got the Holy Ghost the day after, I got the Holy Ghost knowing, okay, this this is what I came for. You know, yeah. there's yeah. there's nothing else for me. So after you got in church, when did you decide that there was no going back? Because I know I know that there's sometimes whenever you come into the church and you get the Holy Ghost and you um, start living for God and not the world, but you you still have part of it back there. Was it was that a, a scenario for you, or was it just I'm done with the world, I'm done with the past, I'm done with everything, I'm living for God, hundred percent. You know. I was extreme in the world, and I think when I came to the church, I was kind of just extreme, just as extreme. And so when God filled me with the Holy Ghost, I, I said that, like, I knew it was it for me. I came home from the camp, and, like, the day I came home, I had that really good, long camp nap, you mm-hmm. know? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> if you've Last been to camp, you know the camp nap, <laughs> yes. So I slept all day or whatever, and then as soon as I woke up, I started digging through all my all my dresser, my my closet, my bathroom, all of my things and anything that I thought wasn't pleasing to God as far as my knowledge was. And no one had to tell me to do this, but I I had just seen and I knew, I knew what I felt. Yeah. So I cleared out everything and I bagged it up and my stepmom brought me to my best friend's house. And I probably shouldn't have done this, but I knew how much I spent on those things. And so I gave her all my things that I couldn't use anymore, <laughs> like clothes and things that I knew that I yeah. couldn't make work, whatever. And uh, I did the best that I could. So that day I hung out with her and we went to lunch and we met a few other friends. And that was the last time that I hung out with that group of people because I knew it wasn't anything against them, but I knew they weren't ready to change. Right. And they yeah. knew what I had changed to even that quick, and they weren't interested. And so I did not call them again. Maybe I reached out to them every once in a while. If I saw them in public, right. yeah. I would talk to them. And I had a really decent-sized group of really close friends. But I was not calling. I was not texting. I was not trying to hang out. And if it meant that I was lonely, which I really was the first good bit of time living for God, I didn't reach out to them. I reached out to God. So cutting ties the day I got back is what did it for me. Right. It wasn't a back and forth. It's basically, I mean, it's not like you didn't love them. Right. It's because that was, it it was a connection to your past, you know? Yeah. And whenever you do hang out with them, you're doing things of your past. So it was a, it was a good thing that you, that you did that and cut cut ties with them not again not that you didn't love them you loved them very much and you still do i'm sure so and but you realize that my walk with god is more important than the things that i used to do which it which is really tied around with uh them and everything that everything that we did was just engulfed in this huge party scene so like when i was in high school just to explain it is in the morning before school, we were doing stuff we weren't supposed to before we rode together to go to school. Right. I was coming to school high, you know, and then every single weekend, 
all weekend unless I had to go home. If I knew I was going home, then I would like sober up kind of quick and, and spray enough perfume on to where, you know, you couldn't smell like smoke right. and yeah. and things like that. But all weekend it was it was a big party. And so I mean, I couldn't I couldn't still hang out with those people. There's yeah. no way. It's kinda of weird. Uh yeah. Like like <laughs> this like Cindy Fish. Yeah. <laughs> you know. It's hard it's kinda of hard to believe that you know, that um, heroes have a past like that, you know? Yeah, I I think when when new people come in the church, I always try to stop. I don't just talk to everyone and just tell everyone my story, not because I'm not willing, but when new people come in, I always tell them my story if oh, I can yeah. because I want them to know God does all things well, and He doesn't do anything halfway. Right. And right. I'm not saying that I'm somebody, but I am sincere, and I have been consistent. And in 10 years, after getting the Holy Ghost, I have not once picked up a cigarette. I have not once gone back to a bad yeah. relationship. I have not right. once, you know, said another cuss word or, you know, like those things. I have had my own struggles, but it's not been those those past things right yeah you know yeah so i mean that my favorite thing to do i'm just i'm really jumping into a rabbit hole on this one but one of my favorite things to do before uh i became youth pastor and everything i was doing new convert bible studies and that was my favorite thing to do because you were able to help transition people that were coming into church that are like i'm not worth it I don't know anything about this. I've got, I've done too much. And I'm like, no, dude, you know, I mean, everybody here has been in your shoes. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a select, very select few that may not have, but a good majority of the people in this church have been in your shoes, Yeah. you know, where you're at now. So in telling people like that, your testimony is just awesome, you know, because it, it, they look at you and they're like, wow, this this lady's perfect, you know. But then they're like, they see the past and see where God brought you from, you know. And then that gives them hope that God can pull them out of that situation. Yeah. And also to add is if you don't have this kind of story, you don't have to have this story no, to be effective. you don't. You can, you can stay away from those things. You can have the kind of story like Taylor where you've never drank, you've never smoked, you've never, you know, all these things. And it is just as powerful because without God, you would have my story, you know? So right. like in raising my kids, I'll just cry as Ezra. Oh my gosh, I could cry right now. I'm trying not to. I'll just cry when Ezra sings Waymaker or something like that, because right. there's such simple truths that he gets to know now at four years old that I didn't know till I was 18. Right. So it's a blessing to not have, you know, either way, God can bless it. You know, I think I think sometimes when you hear someone's testimony, you forget, you know, I don't have to have that. But I'm telling it to say that if you do have this story, that's okay too. Either way, God works it all and for our good, right? And he uses it. Well, one one thing one thing about it is like people that are in the church that have stayed in church and just never really gone out or whatever, they slipped up here and there, but not like done, uh, done some crazy stuff. And then they hear like the testimony from the people that lived under bridges and like yeah. they survived, 
like literally had to survive. And then they're like, wow, man, that's a powerful testimony. But what they don't realize is that they've got their own powerful testimony because they've got sheer strength yeah. because they withstood temptation. They withstood leaving, mm-hmm. you know, that's a powerful testimony in itself. Just saying I didn't fail. Right. You know, that's, that's thinking powerful. It is. No, it is to say my feet have been planted and I've not gone any, gone anywhere and nothing shook me or swayed me or made me back up. You know, that's just as strong and just as powerful. And we need both. Exactly. We need both. You know, and nobody's perfect. Even the ones that didn't leave the church, you know, they've slipped up several times too. So, but uh, we're, we're jumping, jumping through rabbit holes again. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, so did you know that you were going to be an evangelist's wife? (laughs) No. Didn't. <laughs> no, I did not. And, you know, I laugh because I've thought about it. I'm like, you know, I think there's a reason God doesn't tell you your whole life's plan. Because right. if we knew sometimes, which our life is great, God has been so good to us, and and we get to do a lot of cool things. But right. if we knew, if I knew at 18, the span of my life, and it's only been 10 years, so I have a lot of life left to live if Jesus doesn't come back before then, then I don't, I mean, would I have been as quick to say, okay, God, I'll do anything? <laughs> or would I made yeah. a few exceptions in there yeah. and said, God, okay, I'll take this piece, but not that one. I'll take this season of blessing, but not that season of loneliness. So I didn't know. Um, I did know really quickly that, I would do something for God. It always bugged me so much that that God never read out a step-by-step list. Yeah. I'm a planner and a list maker. And now God says, okay, go and just run the roads and go, you know, week by week on your schedule, like evangelizing. <laughs> but That's just me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, God has a way of getting things out of you. Yeah. You know, he knew what he needed to get out of me. And, and this is one way he's doing it. But when I was, we were, Taylor and I were, fairly newly dating. And I was so concerned with, okay, God, what's my five-year plan? In high school, they tell you you're supposed to have a five-year plan. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, they're like, what's your five-year plan? Well, here I am, I'm 20 and I'm like, my life's just passing by. And, And so I felt that God prompted me to make a list, like a five-year list of all the things that I wanted to happen. And I thought, yes, yes, okay, I'm gonna try and uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna make this list. I'm gonna be two steps ahead of God. He's gonna let me write this list, and, and everything, everything gonna, is gonna, gonna be right. checked. Yeah, yeah, and that's the end of it. Like, okay, God, you asked what I wanted. I'm writing it down, A and now, dollars. yeah. Well, I thought, okay, Mary, Mary Taylor, um, you know, all these. I really had a, I had a good list. God didn't think so though. Because when I finished writing the list, as soon as I finished it, and I just keep in mind, I'm a list lover. Like I, I like lists. I like plans. I like things to be in order. And as soon as I finished it, God said, tear it up. <laughs> and I'm like, I think that's not right. Oh. And I, I kind of hesitated. And I just stopped like, no, like, no, God. And, and God said it again. I really thought that I'd finish the list, pray over it, it'd be over, but God said, tear it up. And 
So I did. I yielded and I sobbed <laughs> the whole time I tore that oh, thing man. up. And God gave me a scripture. I, I, I was, it was such a big moment. It sounds silly, a list, you know, really, but it was so big for me. And because coming to God, I cut ties with so many things. Right. I lost family members, all kind of stuff. And, um, so I took this list, these little bitty pieces, and I cried and I put them in a Ziploc bag and God gave me a scripture and we, most of us know it, Jeremiah 20, 11, uh, for I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. So I didn't know what I'd do after marriage, but I stopped trying to figure God out right. after that. And yeah. I stopped trying to twist his arm into going by my plans. And I learned just, okay, God, whatever area you want me to, I'll grow and I'll learn. And I really started to extend myself. And I did everything. Everything that I could think of to do in my church, I did. I did nursing home ministry. Uh, and like I, I taught at, at an assisted living facility every other Monday. And these people were so sweet to me. I was horrible, but they were so kind. I taught Sunday school. I was on the youth staff. I I helped with every every event, every cleanup, every cooking. I just I did whatever they whatever would you let could me put do. Your hands on. Yes. Stayed in cleanup every time, came to set up, helped with fundraisers, you know, all yeah. that. Anything I could do because I decided if I don't know, then I'll just make sure I'm ready. Right. You know? Yeah. So what's it like being an evangelist wife? Um, you know, that was a hard question. I, when you, you gave me the questions and I'm like, what is it like? <laughs> <laughs> but I think I'll just say probably my favorite thing about it is, well, one, this is not my favorite thing, but what is it like to be one is like, don't you have to like sing and stuff? Oh, you want me to answer that? No, you don't. And I'm so thankful because I don't sing. <laughs> but that honestly is something that bothered me for a long time. Right. Because I think it's just an expectation that, you know, most places that we went at first and, and even now sometimes they'll say, oh, sis, do you sing? And I would dread that question. Now I'm like, no, Taylor sings enough for the both of us, you know, and I make it a joke. But in the beginning, I felt so inferior because I couldn't check off these, you know, little this list of expectations, right. both that others placed on me, but mainly what I had placed on me. Right. You know? Yeah. And um, so, no, I don't sing and I don't play piano, uh, <laughs> but. There's a lot. There's a lot more than that, you know. Um, I so, think. So let me let me let me before we jump too far ahead. So what what is your role as an evangelist wife? I think my role it's not specific to being an evangelist wife. I think it's just specific to being a minister's wife. Um, honestly, probably any wife. But <laughs> uh, number one, my first priority at the end of every day is to be Taylor's number one source of encouragement and um, support. You know, I try to be his greatest source of encouragement and then to do my best to make life on the road easier for him and for our kids, whatever that means, you know, um, and it looks different depending on the day 
And then, of course, I'm a mom, you know, to Ezra and Abby, and that takes priority too. Because if I did all kinds of other things and I didn't take care of my family and I didn't nurture the relationship with my husband, then what would all the other things matter for? Exactly. You know, you can't you can't have it all together on the outside, but your home life be a wreck. Right. And so no matter what, no matter what your home life is, whether it's even with your parents or with just your spouse or with your kids, whatever. Um, But one thing that I do as um, an evangelist wife and really just anywhere is being intentional about altar working. I try to really, um, you know, of course I, I pray and make, make sure I'm right. But then just like I would at home, I, I look around and see, you know, let God lead me, let God speak to me and work altars yeah. and pray and all of that. And I try to just be an encourager to anyone that I sit and talk with evangelizing we get to meet so many people and there's so many people that are the real deal and they're sincere and they're just they're struggling for one reason or another or they need a friend or they they just need someone to say something positive and so really that I just try to just try to be a light yeah but I do pray each revival that probably the main thing is that I pray that God will let me be a help and a strength to that pastor's wife like I can't know 100% what they're going through and they never tell us, you know, the full weight that they're carrying, but in spending a lot of one-on-one time with pastoral families, I think that Taylor and I have realized that much more how heavy of a load that they carry. Right. So if I can do anything or say anything that will ease that load, even a little bit for them, I want to be sensitive enough to God for him to lead me to do that. Right. So, um, yeah, pray for your pastor's wife. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. So leading leading in, you, you segued really good into it. So leading in, how do you hear the voice of God? Okay. Um, I think that it's something that you learn to do. So I don't have all the answers, but what I have done for years is I journal everything. Everything, every experience, every impression, every scripture that pops out when I'm reading, because things begin to link together. Right. Like sometimes maybe something popped out and I don't really know why it did, but maybe later God shows me an answer to it or those kind of things. And so later when I'm looking for an answer, sometimes I've already gotten the answer, but I just forgot. I forgot God spoke that to me or I forgot that someone came and prayed this for me and I felt something when they did, you know, but if you're experiencing something, another, another thing is if you're experiencing something or reading the word and God drops a question in your spirit, that should be like a big old flag to you. Take note of that. Those questions that, that God drops in our mind, they don't come out of nowhere. And usually it's because he's trying to reveal something to you. So, if God drops a question in my spirit, I write that down. Even if I don't have an answer because I think, okay, either God wants me to search this out or an answer's coming. Right. But the main thing is just get a real prayer life. Get in the Word. Be consistent. I know you can't memorize the whole Bible, but the more you read, the more you retain. And if 
to, you know, I mostly write young people listening. If, if you're listening and you don't have a reading or a prayer routine, you might think, you know, almost be overwhelmed and think, where do I even start? But the key is just to start, to start somewhere. Just God wants your time. He wants a time with you that he can speak to you. Yeah. I, um, um, one, one thing I like to relate to a walk with God or a relationship or your devotion is running a marathon. You're not going to, you're not going to get out there and run a marathon. If you sat on your, sat on the couch your whole life, <laughs> you're going to have to get up and run here, run here and run there and do little incremental runs. And then eventually you're going to work your way into like some longer runs some better runs, and then eventually you'll be able to run the marathon, the 26.2 miles, yeah. you know, through and through. And then once you, but you have to start now right. to be able to, to reach those, those depths. And sometimes it'll, it, it's easier for other people than it is for some people. You know, you have to discipline yourself to walk with God, to walk with God daily. It's true. You know, okay, so I'm a mom, so you're going to get a mom uh, nugget of knowledge. I follow on Instagram this uh, children's nutrition blogger, okay? And recently she said, she was talking about how to get your kid to eat. And she said, if you can just get them to start, she said, reading, no, she said, eating, eating begets eating. So if you can get them to start, they'll eat more, you know, each time. It's like the more comfortable they get with, you know, broccoli or something. Right. But it's the same in the word. If you start, you'll get hungry. The hunger for the word will just grow more and more. And so the more you read, the more hunger you'll get. And the more spend time you spend with God, you'll want to more. Right. And to read the Bible is to know his voice. Right. So um, knowing, speaking of, you know, reading the Bible, to know his voice, I can count probably three or four times in the last year that God dropped something in my spirit as I was praying. And, and I've never heard God speak audibly to me, but when God speaks, you know, it's him. There's mm-hmm. not, especially the, the more time you spend with him. Maybe in the first few years, there were times that God would speak and I would think, was that God or was that me? Well, it's not going to be me. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. not going to be me saying those things. And so Recently, there's been several times in in the last couple of years that God has dropped something in my spirit. And I thought, you know, that's scripture. And so I would go and I would look it up and it would be a verse and it would be a direct word to what I was praying about and what I was like needing in that moment. And that's one of those <gasps> moments. Yes. I was praying about <laughs> something. OK, this is an example. And I won't tell you what I was praying about, but I was saying God, you've never left me to fight by myself. And it's a really big situation, like really big, really messy. And I'm like, God, you've never left me. You've never left me on my own. You've never left me to fight by myself. I know that you're with me. And I'm talking about him and I side by side. And God just said this so quickly. He just said, you need not fight. And I went and looked it up. And when I did, I, I realized okay, God, you're telling me I need to step back because this one, there's times that we do have to put up a fight. But in this situation, you're telling me, okay, back up. I've got this. 
I'll take care of it. You know, you don't have to worry. You need not fight. I'll do the fighting this time. And it was exactly what I needed. And I just cried and cried and cried. I could cry again thinking about it and talking about it. But, um, you know, I've heard it said before that, that God's already spoken to us. There's a whole Bible full of his word. And when we read it, we learn, we learn him, we learn his voice. And, and so if we'll just open it up, it's up to us to open it up and let him speak. And I know that in times that I am digging in the word, uh, Morgan and I were talking about, uh, really digging in the word and, and doing Bible studies and things like that. And in the moments the seasons, I guess, where I have dug in the most and really said, okay, I'm hungry and started opening it up and doing character studies or, or Bible studies. God has spoken to me so much more. You know, he speaks more in the everyday moments to me, at least than those super spiritual. And I have, I have moments where he's come in and it's been like a rush and it's been overwhelming and he's spoken a specific word. Right. But I think he speaks more in the everyday relationship. Yeah. You know, it's back to have a relationship. He'll speak to you clearly with relationship. Right. So um, that's all we have today. Um, again, make sure you go check out Cindy's podcast. It's it's at his feet, right? Yes. At his at feet. At his feet. At his feet. <laughs> Capital H. Yeah. Um, make sure you go check that out. Um, again, don't forget we post every other Monday morning at five o'clock for all you early birds. I know y'all are all up at five o'clock in the morning. Um, (laughs) but, uh, that's all we have for for today. Uh, we will see you guys next time and make sure you stay listening wherever you listen to podcasts.